for years, for two and a half years, I was the interim pastor. Interim pastor is somebody who fills in when somebody doesn't have a pastor. I'm the perfect interim pastor in South Florida because if you have me, it'll help you get a pastor faster. Uh, it'll just help you pick up, pick up the situation a little bit because we're tired of Barnes. And so I was the interim for two and a half years at a church called First Baptist of West Palm Beach. And on the way out on Wednesdays, Wednesday nights, and I'm going to give you the reason. I'm going to give you... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the rationale. Wednesday nights were brutal. We got up to three Wednesday night services, and I'm dying. And so I would pull out at 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night. And on Okeechobee Boulevard, coming from Flagler out to an I-95, there's a very evil, tempting lights and place of business on the side of the road called Checkers. And I've already eaten dinner with the staff, and I pull by there, and I don't know, one time I was just tired, and I'm tired, and I deserve this, and I pulled in and got a large order of fries, nine o'clock at night, and I'm driving down, and my wife Rosemary's talking me down, and I'm trying to figure out how to not let her know that I'm eating these french fries on the way down there, uh, because, I'll, because she's in perfect shape, and look at me. And so I, it became a habit every Wednesday night. And then after a brutal meeting one Wednesday night, I can't even believe I'm confessing this, I got two large fries. <laughs> Boy, there's not a lot of mercy in this room, is there? Wow. Put them in the bag, salted them, and got caught. It, it was all, the smell was all over me. I got caught when I got home. Yeah. These things, these things that we do, these habits that we develop, some of them are funny like that. Some of them aren't. And we totally and absolutely miss what he has for us. If you're an outline taker, number one on your outline, I'm either the beneficiary or the victim of my habits. I'm either the beneficiary or the victim of my habits. See, there are good habits that we work to form or there are bad habits that form us. Bad habits are easy to pick up. I'm either the beneficiary or the victim of doing this. It's kind of like things you do all the time and you don't think about it after a while. It's like when you back out of your garage, if you have a garage, and I was so excited to get a garage with a clicker that opens and closes, but if you're me and I'm so ADHD, I'm down the next block to saying to myself, did I close the garage? I mean, I always close the garage. I know, thank you for nodding your head because I did. And, and having to if either call somebody, now I've got the next door neighbor's number so I can call them. Would you look out the front window and tell me if I close the garage door? And it's like, really? And I get to the point where I say to myself as I'm backing out, I close the garage door out loud just so I can hear it. But I've done it so long without thinking. And there are things you do so long. Yeah, number two on your outline, habits are behaviors you do without needing to think. It's habitual. You don't need to think. And they're the, they're the funny French fry habits, but I spent the first 10 years of my marriage with another habit called anger. It was just a habit. I would even excuse it as it's just the way I am. And there's a button. I don't know where the anger button is, and I couldn't get anybody to take it out. Would you just cut this out of me? And somebody would find that anger button on I-95. Ooh. See, it's really called pride. It's really called pride. And I, it, it became... And it was beginning to define me. It, it became a habitual response. Number three, habits or behaviors that have been repeated for so long, they seem natural. They just seem natural. It just seemed natural to pull into checkers. And I was content with one large fry, and then all of a sudden, and I'm going to tell you where it ended up. Yeah, letter A, a bad habit is the ongoing natural response triggered by stimulus. Saw the sign. There's another word in there. 
and I've heard it over and over and over. And let me say one of the words, the saddest words, the saddest words I've ever heard and heard them in this counseling center here, and I've heard them for 40 years in the other counseling center. How did I get here? How did I get here? It's just a slow, I didn't get up and get all the way there. I just got a little bit there and a little bit there. And I wasn't intentional. See, this is the first, the last day of the first month of the year. It's kind of, I want to be different. I don't want to look back at 2016. It was kind of just like 2015. Good habits are intentional, letter B. Good habit, a good habit is an intentional, disciplined response to stimulus that has become routine behavior. Routine behavior. So how did I get here? And the interesting thing is, temptations reveal habits. Temptations reveal habits. You know, I, I, the guy who never wanted to click on there, and he clicked on there, and it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. So if you have a Bible, we're in Genesis chapter 12. We're looking at two men. The men are related, Abram and Lot. Abram is not Abraham yet. And as you're turning there, we're going to be in chapter 12 and chapter 13. And in chapter 12, verse 4, it begins like this. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and it's really important we hear that in both verses. It's important to know Lot was with him, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household in Haran. And they headed for the land of Canaan. And they headed for the land of Canaan. Lot is his nephew. Lot's dad dies. So Uncle Abram takes him in. And it's just, in a, I mean, he could have just left him there. He doesn't. He takes him in. And in this process of taking him in, we watch a journey. And we watch in Genesis chapter 13 where Abram makes a mistake with Lot and goes down into Egypt. And he didn't follow God, but he comes back. And when he comes back, uh, it's interesting. He comes all the way back, and it says in verse 4, this is the same place when Abram comes back, he leaves, he leaves and he sinned in Egypt, and he leaves and he comes back. This is the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. What we're going to see the difference is, Abram wasn't perfect. In fact, kind of exciting when you get to heaven to see some of these guys. I hope we have name tags. A- A- Abram is just absolutely astounding and amazing, yet he never built anything. Nothing. Zero. And I'm going to use the word just very lightly. He just trusted God. He just kept coming back to God. But he wasn't perfect, didn't build anything, and arguably the founder. Jesus used him. Wow. It says he built in the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. I'm back, I'm back. I wandered down to Egypt, I'm back. Verse 5 says this, very telling. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep, goats, herds of cattle, and many, many, many tents. But we're going to see Lot develop bad habits. We're going to see Lot not get that Philippians passage because it wasn't written yet. He hadn't learned to be content. He had nothing. He had n- Do you remember? I remember in graduate school. When I was in graduate school at the University of Tennessee, and I remember there will come a day when I have enough money to buy two Whoppers on the way through the brand new drive-thru. I mean, one is stretching it right now on my finances, but a day, I'm obviously all about food, actually. And I have so much more than two. 
I mean, I have exceedingly and abundantly beyond all I would have asked or imagined. I forgot those days. Lord, send me the film of those days. Lord, I was so grateful for anything. But I've come to America. I'm born in America, grew up in America, loved my car until somebody got the new one. Loved this until all of a sudden this not satisfied vapor that comes over us and the temptation, lots succumb to the temptation of a lack of contentment. And, and the temptation for more, number four in your outline, temptations reveal whether I am controlled by habits or I control my habit. That's what makes little Joseph so unbelievably great in Genesis 37 through 50. And in Genesis 39, when Potiphar's wife, and we don't know her name, so we'll call her Hotifer, when Hotifer comes after Joseph and says, come to bed with me, and all of a sudden, Joseph's response, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? That was his whole response. No, I... Really? You still trust? You're a slave for 11 years. You go to prison for two and a half years. Oh, I know my Redeemer lives. See, all the things we sing, all the things you let us in, all the truths that were awesome, all those things, I wonder if God sometimes says, wow, Bob, you're lying. Stop. Don't even say those. Don't even sing those. Unless you believe them, son. Because they're a stench to my nostrils. Choose. Choose. Joseph saying, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? How did he become one of the great men? He becomes prime minister, a Jew becomes prime minister of an Arab nation, Egypt. Ethnically impossible. Not with God. All things are possible with Christ Jesus. Why? How could I do such a thing and sin against God? Wow. Let me fast forward to where Lot got. Because all of a sudden, at the end of Lot, we're going to find him in Genesis 19.30. And it's going to say this. Afterward, Lot left Zoir, and this is after the second destruction of Sodom. Because he was afraid of the people there, and he went to live, he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. From incredible wealth, incredible herds, fast forward... Six verses, lost everything, having to say to himself, how did I get here? But can I say it's even more debauched than that? Because verse 31 says, one day the older daughter said to her sister, there are no men left anywhere in this entire area, so we can't get married like everyone else, and our father will soon be too old to, too old to have children. Oh yeah, they get him drunk. Each of them sleeps with him. They have children. One of the babies is named Moab, which sounds very much like the Hebrew term for from father. The other one, Ben-Ami, which means son of my kinsman. And Lot had to wake up saying, how did I get here? You got here because you developed a habit of discontent. You didn't go back to the why. Why didn't Joseph sleep with Potiphar's wife? It would be a great sin against God. You trust God even in your slave. Oh, yeah. I know my Redeemer lives. So Lot just develops this slow-moving habit of discontent. Five, habits come out of your personal why. Why am I here? To please me or please God? And the sad thing is I turn it all over to God when I'm in trouble when I'm in need, when there's a medical issue, especially with my children. 
I turn it all over to God, and I'm all there. And then all of a sudden, God's blessing, and I'm kind of thinking I should do some consulting. Maybe I should help other people learn how to get their act together. Really, Bob? Really? Wow. Well, back to Genesis 13 in verse 5. We'll find out how he got there. Lot who was traveling with Abram had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep, goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. Verse 6. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Verse 8. Finally, Abram said to Lot, Abram, this is key. Abram said to Lot, the uncle who gave him everything said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land to the right, I'll take the land to the left. And this is where you just know that you know that you know. After Abram makes this amazingly gracious offer, older Abraham, wealthy Abraham, who took in Lot, you know that Abram is going to make a statement. He's going to say, I mean, you know that Lot's going to say to Uncle Abram, oh, way too gracious. All that I have, I got from you. Everything I have. Are you kidding? You, you tell me where you want to go. I'll take the stuff I got from you. The herds, the everything. You, you, you do it. No, because we begin here to get the inkling of him looking around. This is great, but I'd like a little more. This is great, but I want a little more. This is great, but I... And Lot, with this desire for a little more and this discontent and this problem, his habit of never being happy. And this is so cool in verse 10, it says, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. Parentheses, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Obviously they hadn't been there. Obviously they'd stayed away from there. We'll see more of that in a minute. And Lot, you know, we're up here, but I've just, it's really nice down there in the valley where Sodom is. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them, and he went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom, because I'm never going to go any closer to Sodom. I'm I'm Lot, and I know better than that. My uncle's told me about it. It's a horrible, debauched place. I'm never going there. Just near. I'm good with near and settled among the cities of the plain. And Abram stayed away. Uh, Verse 13 goes on, but the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Verse 18, so Abram moved his camp to to Hebron and settled near the oak grove of Mamre. There, and we'll get to this next time, there he built another altar to the Lord. I know what I'm doing. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Yeah, back to number six on your outline. The habit of being discontent is never satisfied because there's never enough more. Just a little more. How much is enough? Just a little more. Just a little more. Just a little more. Rather than how much can I give? Just a little more. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing. I mean, the, 
I like to keep my money in a money clip because I can rub it in my pocket. It's sad that it's all ones, but still. Wow, how much? Just, just a little more. I'll never forget. I'd never been in the door of a church in my life till I was 20. And honestly, and some of you know this story, the only reason I ever went to church in Knoxville, Tennessee, was because a gorgeous woman on that campus named Rosemary refused to go out on a date with me. And I asked her out every week from September to early December, and she kept turning me down. And uh, it was shocking to me that she would, I mean, who wouldn't want some of this? It was shocking to me. And I finally asked her, are we ever going to get to go out? And she said, no. I said, this is a little bold, but can I ask you why? Because you're not a Christian. I had no idea what a Christian was. I mean, I knew I wasn't a camel or an alpaca. I mean, what, what does that mean? And my fraternity brothers were going to church, and they said, you know, she's in the church we're at. And I went to church, and I went to church, and I went to church. And in mid-January, she led me to Christ. And then I'm all in, and I, I want to I, I look here. And uh, I opened the worship folder one Sunday, and the sermon is a sermon series on something called tithies. And I'm wondering, what in the world is a tithy? And I'm, I'm looking at it, and I said, Rosemary, what's a tithy? And she said, it's, it's, it's a tithe. Okay, that's a big help right there. Thank you. I get it. Now. I had no idea what that was. And that was the, that was the season I remember, realized for the first time what I'd really been worshiping growing up in the home of a well-to-do man. This whole Christianity was a nice little tag along, but money makes the world go round. And having to be all in, presenting myself as a living and holy sacrifice in view of God's mercy, is this too much to act? ask? This is your holy act of worship, Romans 12 once says. Bob, your contentment. Yeah, there's just, there's never enough more. So Lot moves near, but he developed a habit of seek for self, seek for self. I, I mean, I'm kind of my own Lord. I, I want more. I know Uncle Abraham builds altars and builds altars, and, and I can't quite get why he's so blessed. And, I, and I'm really, really blessed. I'm lot, but I want more. And, and all I see is more. All I see is, and, and plus, you know, it's nice there in Sodom. And so we will find that he's moved into Sodom, and he's not only moved into Sodom, eventually he's sitting at the city gates of Sodom. Really? He's on the town council, a little more. He wasn't going anywhere near. And the fact that he goes into Sodom and those kings come from another region and destroy, destroy Sodom and that whole region. And all these armies leave with Lot and all the possessions, all the women, all the everything, and they head back. And Uncle Abram, who's in a whole nother place, yeah. Well, in Genesis 14, 11, the victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed home, taking with them all the spoils of war and food supplies. In verse 12, they captured Lot, Abram's ne- nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything. And what does Abram do? He spends time with God and he takes his 318 men. I mean, are you kidding me, man? To go after all these kingdoms of warriors? And his 318 men, and they surround and attack. And he brings Lot back. And he brings Lot back, and what happens? He moves back into Sodom. He doesn't start all over. I need to not go anywhere near that place again. Look what happened. Look how debauched I've got. No, he didn't learn. He didn't learn. You know, it's nice. Blessings are nice, but difficulties are the teacher. Blessings are nice. Pain is the teacher. 
Blessing is nice. Tragedy is the teacher. It's amazing the birth of our first child, Rosemary, was uh, developed severe toxemia and seven months pregnant, went into a seizure, and I rushed her to the hospital, and, and I'm I'm in there, and I'd been at Sheridan House for eight years, and I'm an absolute full-blown workaholic, and, and, and do, it just it was horrible, doing 12, 13 hours a day because I was the Messiah of Sheridan House. I, ironically, it wasn't working. We didn't grow at all during that time. During those years, we are starving, didn't grow at all, even though I was putting in all these hours, because it, I kind of have a verse, if it's to be, it's up to me, and another verse, I can do all things through me, who gives me my own strength. It didn't work. The Dr. Nolan, Dr. Nolan comes in and says, sit down, I want to talk to you. I know you're a religious man. Your wife is dying. We're losing her and the baby. Two other pastors are sitting with me, and they both get up and to get me some coffee, and I'm, I lose it. I lose it. And uh, one of them, Joe, turns around on the way out the door, and it's a good thing he walked out the door after this statement. He said, don't miss the lesson. Is there anything God's trying to teach you right now? I was so mad at him. And I realized I'd been my own Messiah, trying to be Sheridan House's Messiah. And I realized I'd been having an extramarital affair with my ministry, rather than you first, Rosemary second. That was a game changer for me that I never learned without that trauma. And I'm so grateful that guy who I was so mad at had the courage to say that to me. Don't miss. Don't miss, because I developed the habit of working hard. I developed the habit of not being content. I developed the habit of not seeing God just like, well, you see, when I'm content, I don't cut corners. When I'm content, I start seeing God and seeing the little things He's doing around us. When I'm content, I see that time at Sheridan House for the Sheridan House Christmas toy store for single moms. When a mom came up and asked, I feel, I just got all these toys, I'm really, really grateful, and I'm in the parking lot helping, and she says, do you ever get Christmas trees? And just as she says that, a pickup truck with a flatbed pulls up full of Christmas trees. And she looks at me and I said, give me a minute. And I walk out, can I help you guys? Yeah, we're, we're the men's club from St. Mark's Catholic Church. We've been selling trees since Thanksgiving. We're done. We got 200 trees, can we give them to you? And I go back to her, and she says to me, Bob, how'd you do that? And I said, you know, I think I'm more surprised than you, but I think you asked God. But I can get so focused, I can miss it. Or take credit for it. I put a little deal together with the church down the street and got the trees, and yeah, because I can do all things through me who gives me the strength I need. Yeah, wow. See, if I'm not careful, I'm taught in America to be Lord of my own life. I'm talking like that little choo-choo train who could. I'm supposed to work hard, but glory to God. And I'm supposed to be content because what happens, all these guys that have said, I've heard in the counseling room, sobbing, how did I get here? Oh, number seven, a bad habit camouflages a destructive course of action. Just a little step and a little step and a little step and then wow. So then all of a sudden, we find this man who was very wealthy, moves into Sodom, rescued, moves back into Sodom. Really? We find him in that verse we opened up with Genesis 19.30. Afterward, Lot left Zoir because he was afraid of the people there, and he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. Wow. 
And as a result, each of his daughters has a baby by him. Really? He got trapped by discontentment, by not looking, by not analyzing. But there's always a way out. He will never leave you without a way out to these habits. Just little ones that can become big ones. Yeah, I mean, I mean to read my Bible every morning. I just have a habit of coffee and read the paper and go on my iPad and look at USA Today. Different habit. It's time for a different habit. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. But I have to take the way out. And then I have to develop good habits. So I have to analyze my habits. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here it is. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I really like one of the worst leaders on television, Leroy Jethro Gibbs. Sorry, NCIS. He takes them into the interrogation room, finds out where they violated the law, and if they violated the law, they're not getting out. That's what this is. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we are ready to punish every act of disobedience. Bob, Bob, take captive every thought. Whoa, whoa, Lord, where'd that thought come from? Watching that woman walk by. Oh, it's just watching. Bob. Bob, did I not tell you, son? You've heard it say, I should not commit adultery. But I say, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Really? Bob. Take captive every thought. Take captive every thought. Joseph refused to even be with Potiphar's wife in the house. Yeah, take captive every thought. Number eight, I need to take charge of my habits and form the habits that will make Christ the one and only Lord of my life. Not me, not me. So a good habit, Lord, a good habit is to, is to get up in the morning and spend time reading this instead of USA Today. Taking some notes on this. Confessing to God, I have no idea what I just read, Lord. None. So I'm going to write it, that verse down on my card, and I'm going to keep the card in my pocket. And, and I just, today, Lord, I, what does that mean? Because I don't want to miss. And I don't want to get to a place where I one day say, how did I get here? This is so debauched. This is so self-centered. This is so Lord of my own life, taking captive every thought. This isn't something you do, God. This isn't something you'd think about, God. This just isn't. Lot. One little step, I want that land. And there's Sodom, and just near Sodom, and then in Sodom, and then a second chance. Now, the amazing thing is, the New Testament tells us he was a righteous man. Something happened in his life where he came back to his senses. But he had to lose everything because those things had become his God. I think this is the year, America, where if we're not careful, we're going to spend our year hoping we elect the right man and put him in the White House? The White House isn't going to save your country. Your house is. We need to decide that this house with a child that God obviously has a great plan for. We need to decide that that school, raising tomorrow's leaders, 
Oh, I'm going to vote. I'm all in. Love arguing with the rest of the people at the office over who I'm voting for. But I have no illusions. The White House isn't going to change America. This House has to change America. Yes. That begins by developing my own personal habit rather than complaining about other people and whining and when are you going to do this? Me. Me, I'm a full-time job for me. From turning from me in charge to you in charge, Lord. You in charge. The habit of trusting you. I've got to develop the habit of trusting you. Learning to be content. You know what, Lord, if you want me to have that, I'll have that. I don't have to spend my life pursuing and pursuing. I need to spend my life learning how to give more and give more. To change this culture by changing me and changing my habits. I need to take charge of my habits so my habits don't take charge of me. This needs to be the year, Lord, where I choose to trust you with all my heart, with every area of my heart. And here it is, Lord, and lean not to my own understanding because I kind of think I've been told, I've been drawn to, I'll be happier, my understanding, I'll be, no, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Bob, and lean not to your own understanding and every decision and all your ways acknowledge him. And what do you get from that? He will direct your path. He directed Abraham's path to be one of the greatest. Joseph, what did Joseph really do? Two things. He forgave his brothers and he didn't sleep with Potiphar's wife. Really? He trusted God. How could I do such a thing and sin against God? We don't have to be great. It's a great God who loves us. We just have to choose to trust him. And that starts by what habit is not helping? And then watch what he does. And can I just say, why not starting right here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church? where we decide to get serious, where we decide to give it up, where we decide, you know what, you're in charge. You're the search committee. You're everything. We're here. Spend me, Lord, for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. When I was a boy, my mom died, and uh, it was my dad and all boys, and my grandma came to town. I'm from German stock. My dad even owned a home across the street here and a home in Germany for years. And I mean, we're German-German. And Germany's got the worst food on planet Earth, but we're German-German. I'm sort of an Italian wannabe, actually, where the food is. And my grandma came to town and she sent my aunt. My aunt was enormous, enormous. I was terrified of my aunt. I know she probably had an anchor tattoo or something. She was just huge. And my aunt had a very crass saying. Bobby, for Christ's sake, what are you doing? She didn't know she was right. It's for Christ's sake that you're here. Then you get to go. It's for Christ's sake. Deciding we're going to live here for Christ's sake and change this community block after block after block. Have your way. Done with the old habits. In with the new habit of trusting you. With all my heart, Lord.